Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. Just a reminder to our listeners that as a 501c3 organization, our mission is to investigate those working to influence the public policy process, not weigh in on election outcomes or support or oppose individual candidates. Big national organization is States Newsroom, a relatively recent spinoff from the Arabella Advisors Network of liberal, dark money-funded advocacy entities. Now, this national liberal institution has expanded almost as far as one can go while remaining in a U.S. state, Alaska. Joining me to discuss States Newsroom's new project from the last frontier is Suzanne Downing, a writer for Must Read Alaska. Uh, Suzanne, before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in, uh, in the last frontier? Well, absolutely. So we came here when I was a teenager. Uh, we came, my dad was in the news business. He was the AP bureau chief for San Diego. And he kind of got tired of the rat race and decided to move the family to Alaska. And he also decided to become a gold miner. He was a little bit of a Jack London type character. So moved us up to Alaska. He lost all his money and he ended up kind of working for state government as a, as a public relations kind of guy. And, and he worked in a couple of administrations and as politics is, he got out of that and he went into fishing and things. But I grew up in Alaska. Basically, I, I moved here mm-hmm. when I was 15. And I've been in and out of Alaska ever since. I do have my own degree in journalism. I was the editor of the Juno Empire for some time. Some other worked in other papers around the country, but uh, always came back to Alaska. So I have sort of my own love and hate relationship with my home state. But now I run Mustard Alaska, which is a conservative news site which is aimed at keep the our, our motto is keep the mainstream media on their toes because the mainstream media has become so leftist it's just become so far to one side that here in Alaska let me tell you if the media didn't have low standards it would have no standards at all it's just the worst place in the in the nation for biased news and there's that, and that's and that's saying something given how biased it is the rest of the country. <laughs> That's right. Well, I think that here in Alaska, the the reporters come up here to sort of get some clips going, and, and at least they did in the old days. And the news, the news landscape is changing quite a bit, as mm-hmm. we know. It's very rapidly changing. But but they come up here to get news clips or or to get uh, sound bites. They they do their their national public radio stuff up here, and then they go to the show, which would be Washington D.C. or you know someplace mm-hmm. else, Baltimore, and and. They're, this is a, a stepping stone for them. So what do they do when they're here? They kind of look to the big boys for direction. So they look to the Washington Post, they look to the New York Times, and that gives them the direction of like what a news reporter should be. So, so I guess I guess that's a good segue. So, um, you know, our, our listeners from the lower forty-eight help help us with sort of what is the state of play in Alaska government and politics right now. Um, and what's going on in Alaska state government or Alaska corporate policy or whatever that may be getting attention from out of state, from these national, uh, from the national press, from the um, national interest groups that that might be giving, uh, you know, giving these, you know, cub reporters who have decamped, uh, 
you know, what they what they feel that they should be writing about. Well, if you're a new reporter in Alaska, this is a very exciting time to be a reporter in Alaska, because we thought we actually had the marquee race for 2022 with Lisa Murkowski running every six years. She she's running to you know keep her seat. And mm-hmm. you, you remember Lisa Murkowski's quite well known because she did the write in campaign and won it. And that's just almost historic. And uh, so now she's actually being challenged from the right by a conservative, Harvard-educated, Alaska-born woman named Kelly Chewbacca, who's a very capable candidate, doesn't have the money that Lisa has. And But we thought that would be the marquee race because Kelly Chewbacca has Donald Trump's endorsement. So that's pretty exciting. And she's had that endorsement since last June. So she's running on that. Um, and then along came uh, Don Young's death on March 18th. And Don Young was the dean of the house. He'd served us for 49 years since I was in high school. I'm dating myself. I'm, I'll admit it. I'm 68. I've known Don, Don Young almost all my life. He died on March 18th, and it created a huge scramble. Now our congressional race is the marquee race in the country because Sarah Palin has jumped in. We have 48 people mm-hmm. on our special election ballot for the temporary replacement for the person. And, and yeah. this is, and this is, and Alaska adopted by a referendum, this top four rank choice voting system. So it's all, it's all kind of up in the air, isn't well, it? Well, Michael, that happened through dark money from outside the state. <laughs> the um, $7 million from outside the state came in so that they could uh, just basically rig our voting system here so that Lisa Murkowski could win. And these were Lisa Murkowski operatives that did this and sold it to the voters as, you know, if you vote for this, we'll get dark money out of our elections. Well, they used dark money to get our voting system all messed up. So what we have is a, a jungle primary and then a ranked choice voting general. I know we don't have the time in the podcast to go through what all this means, but it's not done anywhere else in the country where you have a, a jungle primary. They basically took the primary ballot away from the Republicans and said, anybody can vote anybody on the primary. Louisiana, California, and Washington State have it, but they also, but but theirs is at least a bit more sensible in that the top two vote getters go and have a heads up general election. Right. You know, whereas Alaska, they've, they've appended uh, this ranked choice voting. And I think, I feel like on the podcast, we may have discussed ranked choice voting in New York City because they had it in their primaries and it caused a delay of several days in figuring out who was going to win who is going to win that race. Oh, it's a mess for us. Uh, we, we could t- talk about that on another, on another topic, on another uh, edition. But, but basically what it is is the top four go from the August 16th primary to the general election ballot on November 8th, and then you rank them from there. I predict that during the primary on, on August 16th that we're going to have a lot of spoiled ballots as people try to rank people on that, on that particular ballot. But in the meantime, we have another election, which is the temporary seat. We have... Uh, an election, the, the ballots go out in seven days for the for somebody who will hold that seat until January when the new person is sworn in. So we have a, a general election for that on August 16th, a primary election for the regular election on August 16th, and then a general election on November 8th. We have four big elections this year. So a very big year for Alaska. And if you're a reporter up here, my goodness, it's a gold mine. So, so as this is all coming thick and fast now, state's newsroom has decided that they want to create a, a bureau in the state capital, which is Juneau. Uh, what are what are they doing? Um, who are they bringing on? What's what's the situation with that? Well, so Michael, you've talked about State's Newsroom, and and the reason I found out about about State's Newsroom is because of your website and because of the work that Hayden Ludwig have, has done on the research behind this. 
So during the 2020 cycle, a bunch of these fake news sites popped up around the country and they look like real news sites, but they're real partisan and they're backed by dark philanthropy money. A lot of it from Arabella. Yes, it's the, it's the air. Yeah. It's the Arabella advisors, uh-huh. which does this plays this game in Washington that we call association management. You know, they're this entity that runs these nonprofits and then the nonprofits do things, um, in, in political advocacy. And again, the, you know, this is not an uncommon system, but what Arabella has done is they have made it a literal billion-dollar enterprise. Uh, their, their nonprofits, their managed nonprofits exceed a billion dollars in revenue, I believe. Um, and yes, yeah, State's Newsroom came out of that came out of that world. I really recommend that people read um, Hayden Ludwig's research on this. It, it's what tipped me off to it. And then I realized through reading his work that they were looking to add Alaska as one of their states. And indeed, just this past few weeks, we've seen signs that they've hired the first person, the second person, and now the third person. They will have a three-person news bureau in Alaska's capital of Juneau. That's my hometown. I'm not, I don't live there now, but that's my hometown. And how many, and, and, and three in a state capital in a state as it may be enormous in physical size, but in population, uh, not so much uh, Alaska. Uh, you know, three people at the Capitol Bureau. How does that compare to like the, I guess, the, like the Anchorage Daily News or other polit- other journalistic entities? In the well, state? that's a very good question, Michael. So this is going to end up being the largest news bureau in state capital. This is a uh, has enormous influence. So they've plucked a reporter from. The public media from public broadcasting, KTOO, Andrew Kitchenman, who is their uh, legislative reporter. They've plucked the legislative reporter from the Anchorage Daily News. That's James Brooks. And then they took a former KTOO reporter who's now working as the PIO for the Juneau Police Department. And they're bringing her back as their third person. And so they've got three very capable people who live in the Capitol, so they don't have to move them there, know the Capitol, want to live in Juneau where it rains 90 inches a year. And uh, it's a good fit for them because they're going to make more money than they would at their other organizations. And it's just a, it's a great venture for them. It's a good, it's a good mix on their part. They found good people, qualified reporters, but I don't think they're being honest with Alaskans because they're not revealing who is paying their paycheck. We know who's paying their paycheck. We know that this is dark philanthropy money from these major players that we don't know who all they are other than Arabella advisors because they create these subgroups and then other uh, the people that they know yeah and 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 Arabella, and Arabella is just again the management firm that runs right. it the the money coming in that's from that that's from major liberal major donors, liberal donors. that's yeah. from institutional philanthropy that's from all sorts of all, all sorts of places and again you know so it's two public, uh, two public radio people and somebody from Anchorage Daily News is the largest newspaper in the state. Oh, correct. That? Yeah. Uh, the, you know, are, are, do, do they have a reputation for, for bias, these, these people they've hired uh, in their previous jobs? Or are they generally as down the line as one can be? Well, in, you know, I've been around for a while and I have seen worse. I got to say, I've seen worse bias than, than these particular reporters. Um, they have uh, their built in, their baked in biases, which is 
uh, if you're in public broadcasting, you really do have a baked-in bias. I mean, it's part of your ecosystem that you're in, which is a very liberal world. And you have a certain list- listenership. If you went conservative, you'd lose that. And what's interesting is the Anchorage Daily News was uh, bought a few years ago. McClatchy sold it to Alice Rogoff. She was married to David um, um, Rubenstein. And, you know, again, same kind of thing, big money, big East Coast money. So she bought the paper and she basically turned it into like an alternative newspaper. It was really quite dreadful. She ran it into the ground and in bankruptcy proceedings, it was sold to a local family uh, who's from Fairbanks for, for pennies on the dollar. So they, she bought it for 34 million and the bankruptcy settlement was they were able to buy that newspaper for one million dollars, which is incredible. That's a, a phenomenal deal. In the deal, they kept, they retained one of the editors. They, they let go of Pat Doherty. Uh, he was very, very liberal, but they kept David Hewlin, who's also equally liberal. And they lost all of their conservative readers during this time. The conservatives just fled and they all came over to Must Read Alaska because I was giving them the, the news from the other perspective. Because again, yeah, they, 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 they could either pay money for the liberal newspaper or they could read the, the upstart online news source that is more aligned with what they with what they believe rather than reading the the talking points from the progressives of right it was just that you know we we i mean i started must read alaska as just upstart to basically battle the daily news because what they were doing was so heinous well now their their print run is less than eighteen thousand. let me tell you in their heyday they were i think up to seventy two thousand that seventy thousand print run they're no longer delivering in outlying communities because they can't afford to do that anymore and they basically just decided to cater to their liberal um, audience and not even to worry about the liberal readers. They're just wanting to keep the people they have. So I've seen worse uh, news reporters than uh, James Brooks. I'm, I'm pretty happy with him. But um, in general, I don't think that he realizes what he's signed up for. And I don't think Andrew Kitchenman or Lisa... Lisa uh, who knows what they've signed up for either. So, I mean, we mentioned the uh, we mentioned the ranked choice voting in the previ- in the prior election. Uh, are there any other major like outside advocacy efforts from the lower forty eight going on in Alaska right now? Alaska is an absolutely cheap date. It is the easiest place to take over something with outside money because we have a very small media market. It's pretty cheap. And so this is why we ended up with this ranked choice voting scenario with hybrid with the jungle primary is because a group for $7 million, they could basically take over our election system and then get Lisa elected again. And um, so, yeah, we do get a lot of this outside influence money coming in, but we have it inside our state as well, Michael. We have our own uh, philanthropy that is extremely powerful in moving the needle in policy and gets involved with with public policy on a consistent on a daily basis. And that's our Rasmussen Foundation. It was founded by our one of our major banking fa- families, Elmer Rasmussen. Uh, they sold their bank and they're not in banking anymore, but um, I think they sold it out to Wells Fargo. But uh, they, they created a, a massive family foundation and they give money to nonprofits around the state competitively and sometimes non-competitively. And I call the Rasmussen Foundation the second most powerful form of um, branch of government in Alaska, second only to our judicial branch, because they are so powerful in being able to influence lawmakers. What are some of the things that they've they've pushed? 
Well, so uh, they they push a lot of equity things, a lot of uh, they've worked a lot in homelessness, a lot in daycare, a lot in um, they they promote uh, an income tax for Alaskans. We have a system here where oil oil money and our own huge sovereign wealth fund, which is an $82 billion wealth fund called the Permanent Fund, pays for government. And so they, they've supported the expansion of government and to pay for that uh, an income tax, they believe that Alaskans should pay. So things like that, they get very involved in. And so uh, we've, we've always got our eye on them because the Rasmussen Foundation is known to support liberal candidates and uh, liberal causes. So... Is there anything else that you'd like uh, to let our listeners know before we before we break? Well, you know, I I know that we don't have a lot of time, but uh, our congressional race is really quite very quite interesting. Uh, like we talked about before, we have forty eight people on our special election ballot. That is just to fill the seat until January, until the regular person is elected. We have such an interesting uh, lineup of people, and I want to call people's attention to not only Sarah Palin, who gets all the media out there, and, and I do not consider her a conservative, actually. I consider her sort of a force of nature, but not actually a uh, conservative. Um, but I, I want to call people's attention to Nick Begich, who is the grandson of the first Begich, who was in office there. He died in a plane crash when he was leaving, um, leaving Anchorage, flying to Juneau for an event with uh, Hale Boggs back in 1972. And in 1973, that's when uh, Don Young was elected to that seat in a special election. And now his grand, his grandson, Nick the third, is running for that seat. And he is a conservative. He was raised by a libertarian dad and, and a Republican mom. And he went to Baylor University. He's been a conservative all his life. He was in his uh, Republican club in high school. And and he's not the the Mark Begich's of the world, who would be the Democrat part of our Begich family up here. And this is kind of a blue blood family in, in some ways. They're, they're very well known in politics up here. And he is the unicorn. So that's a, an interesting person to keep an eye on. There's also the nominal independent Al Gross who ran against Dan Sullivan two years ago for Senate. And he's now running for this congressional seat. And he is actually the Democrats favorite Senate. They can't run as Democrats up here. They have to run as independence because the state is so heavily leaned toward conservatives. So they're no longer running under their, their Democrat flag anymore. They just sign up as an independent and, and, and pretend that that's how they're going to be. It's just kind of a joke. That's going to be very interesting to watch. Uh, thank you again to Suzanne Downing of Must Read Alaska for joining us. That's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.